0: Welcome to the Everesting Podcast, built by Quarry. In this episode of the show, I am hosting Andy Van Bergen back on the podcast. This is something I should do more than every 22nd episode or so. Uh, obviously, a huge pleasure to have Andy on, who's become a friend, and great to catch up and connect with him. We discuss some of the early origins of Everesting. Not like we did originally, um, I think, on our second episode of the podcast, but this is more about like the technical side of things, of how he's actually built this infrastructure to be able to record this and kind of build the community around it because the challenge is one thing but what's really special about Everesting is the is the community that Andy and Tam have built and and that required technology and logistics and it's really interesting to see how they put that all together because they they could have easily given up on this at numerous times because of the workload it's not their full-time job uh, but they do it just from a place of love and passion in the community that they've built so it's really really cool and very 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 awesome to have Andy back on which we should do more often. If you have questions for Andy or for me or something that you'd like to hear us cover on the podcast, just hit us up, shoot us a message. Best way to get a hold of me is probably just send me a message on Instagram. I am at Pete, P-E-T-E underscore Hawk, H-O-C-K on Instagram. Hit me up and we will try and address whatever is on your mind on the podcast. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by the State Bicycle Company, who you can visit at statebicycle.com. They ship all over the world. They have a very, very cool gear, bikes, and apparel, as well as tools, all kinds of different stuff. So check them out at statebicycle.com. As I always say, the best way to follow along with State or most companies these days is to give them a quick follow over on Instagram or whatever social media platform you prefer, because then you can stay up to date on deals and seasonality and stuff. On to Andy Van Bergen. Everybody, thank you for listening. We're joined again by Andy Van Bergen, the founder of Everesting. So we've had uh, Andy's back. It's been six months, probably, since we've had you on, which is kind of what we'll try and do, you know, every four or six months or something like that. So tell us, we never really got, we got into the origin story of Everesting, but not the early days of the mechanics, because once you decided that it was gonna be a thing, you needed to figure out how you were gonna actually like record this stuff, right? So I, I've never actually heard any of this story. Like, did you literally just open up an Excel spreadsheet and start writing down the names of your friends that had
1: done it and when they did it? So that that's pretty much how first of all, thanks for having me back on the pod. That's that this is awesome. But um yeah, like back back in the early days, it was funny. Like I was I was all about creating this movement. And I, I knew that the impact was going to be big after that first weekend, back in February of 2014, when all of these rides all over the world just sprung up overnight. And from the from the very first day, I knew that there needed to be somewhere where we could record these. Like it was just going to be a list, like basically a linear list on a website or something. The next person completes it, the names at the at the bottom of the list, and so on and so on. And look, I'd built a couple of websites for a few of the other little events that I'd been running, or a few of the little cycling brands um, that that, I, that I had had around as well. So. I think that the saying is, I knew enough to be dangerous. <laughs> um, so <laughs> I created a little website, uh, You know, we, I'd, I'd park the, the everything.cc domain, all of that was done sort of in advance of that launch weekend. And by the way, if you use Wayback Machine, um, I don't know if you've ever used that on- I've heard of it. I've yeah, heard so of it. I just, literally just Google Wayback Machine, I think it's called. I hope, I hope I've got the name right there, but you can you can go back and look at the history of any website uh, more or less. It's fascinating. And you can you can kind of it's got a it's got a line graph. Um so you can see year by year all the changes that have happened to the website and some of the crazy graphics and not all of it works. Like some things are broken, but it gives a pretty good insight into what things originally looked like. So you know when you when you use Wayback Machine and go back to 2014 and look at Everesting like do <laughs> have a look at that but know that I was I was really proud of what was out there. Of course, I look at it now and I hate it. and It was <laughs> didn't make any sense, of course. But um, yeah, the whole idea was if people were, gonna, were going to go and do something that was the hardest physical activity that they were likely ever to do, either on the bike or on foot or at all, then I wanted to make sure that we were kind of recognizing that and recording that in perpetuity. So uh, yeah, I, I created this this website. I needed I needed somewhere to have a list. So I think like it was a WordPress site and. There was like there was initially um, a way that I could create an Excel document document and upload that to the website and then it would literally just show the names of the people that had that had completed it. Um, so it had basic details. So it had your name, had the date that you did it, had the elevation that you climbed, the distance that you'd ridden, and a link to the Strava uh, the Strava activity that, that you did. And uh, so you could see you could see all of the names as you as you were going down. The only problem with that was it was like in the, in the early days when there was 100 or even 150, it wasn't too bad. But, you know, if you've ever worked with bigger Excel documents, you know that once you have a good amount of data and particularly like rich data as well and a lot of links uh, in there, once that starts to get bigger, it becomes quite clunky. And as well as it might run on your desktop for the for uh, it to work on the internet, it, it really struggled. So it was it was bogging down. You know, when we we're just a few hundred people into it, and then the other problem was the way that I'd set it up was the first person was at the top and the most recent was at the bottom. So you had to scroll like quite a while to kind of because because you know it, it was not easy just to add them add add people to the top in this particular list, uh, just the way it was set up. So it was cute and it was but functional. It was a Single page though, right? So it didn't. Oh have, yeah. Just scroll. Well, this, this is this is part of the problem. You had to like use the scroll bar. As well. And again, once it was at about 200 names, it was impossible to find anyone, obviously. Like, you just got to kind of look through 200 names for your own name. Uh, and it was very clunky. And you were not only scrolling down, but you had to scroll across to kind of get the full data as well, let alone, like, obviously think about what that was like on a mobile. It just didn't work. So I kind of looked around at a couple of other solutions. And I ended up using a plugin in the end that would allow me to do the same thing. And again it was good for a little while but it also had its limitations and each one of those uh, pieces of, of data that I was inputting had to be manually typed in so I was, I'd pull up Strava and I'd have to look at what the meters were and obviously verify that that was correct and make any adjustments if need be. and I was just like manually typing that in for, for every single line for every single uh, everything that was adjudicated. that was that was all good and, I, and it kind of worked a little bit and it was sort of at a similar time that I thought well, Rather than just this line listing, it'd be nice if there was an infographic that we could pull up and that contained all of your information in one, you know, bite size, Instagrammable, Facebookable, whatever um, thing you could share with your buddies. And, and it would it would, show, it would show your elevation, the amount of reps, um, et cetera, et cetera. But like I, I wanted it to visually look quite rich. So number one, I reached out to um, a good friend of mine, Greg Thorne. He's done he, he created all the original Everesting branding, or somewhere along the line, he he made it look prettier anyway. Um, his his design, the Everesting kit that you see out on the streets uh, at the moment. Uh, I've known him for a long time and worked with him on a bunch of projects. So uh, Greg helped create all the, the visual identity for for this um, for this infographic, and then I reached out to a guy. There's this guy, Ben, who is running this program called VeloViewer, and I'd seen some of the visualizations. And basically what Ben was doing was, you know, you know you're know, you watching the Tour de France or the Giro or whatever it might be, and they're coming up before a stage. It shows, like, the the graph of what the gradient profile is. And, um, you know, in more recent years, I'm talking, like, 10 years ago or so, rather than that just being a straight graph, it was like a 3D graph that you could spin around, and I it it be- loved love that. road and yeah exactly exactly you could see all the little kinks in the road and and it even showed like the how the gradient changed with a color representation so red was obviously really steep and green was was really shallow so i reached out to ben and said hey listen i've got this project called everesting and i love what you're doing is there any way you could work alongside me and we could figure out a way because i've got i've got um rich data through strava and is there a way we could kind of bend and twist that into into one of your gradient profiles because they look so beautiful so Ben was amazing. So he helped uh, to do that and he developed a little bit of uh, like a little program that I could use. And essentially what would happen is, so Pete, you do an Everesting, you send it through to me. I would manually type in all your details uh, into this infographic and then I'd go into your Strava activity and I'd find the the most appropriate segment. So I'd look through and find the one that I thought represented the ride that you've just done the best. And then I'd take this into Ben's program and then I'd Create create this gradient profile, but then I'd also have to manually twist it and bend it, and uh, you know, to make it look the best as well, to make sure that it looked, you know, look, look the best from the right angle. Then I'd take that and I'd export that back out uh, to your profile and and upload it, and it just it took forever. And then I think every single time I did one, and someone was like, "Oh, can you tweak the segment a little bit? This little facial twitch would uh, 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 you what?" <laughs> because it was it was so much work to do. Um, and, and at this point in time, we're talking kind of like, I guess it would have been three or four years in by now. So 2017, 2018, like there was there was a lot of everthings that were coming through every single week uh, and the volume of work just increased exponentially. So it's sort of at that point that I knew, OK, well, I'm not going to be able to do this manually forever because it's just it's so time consuming. So I reached out to uh, one of my friends who who kind of is a bit of a, he's a uh, a web designer. He put me onto one of his mates and and they basically were able to help me create the most recent version of Everesting uh, that you see now, the Hall of Fame. So it's kind of like the the, the bones of what you see there is what he created a, a couple of years ago. And at the time, I think we had, I think when I had those discussions, it would have been Maybe a thousand, or maybe one and a half thousand people in the Hall of Fame, and I could kind of see the traje- trajectory of it. And when I spoke to this developer, we agreed that we would future-proof this forever by building a Hall of Fame that was capable of housing, like at least five thousand people. You know, uh, and this is the current the current Hall of Fame you see now. So, uh, which by the way has twenty one thousand seven hundred as of this morning. Um, so, so we, it's we four times
0: it's at like four times it's intended capacity right
1: now. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, and this is why the current hall of fame is, is quite slow and we'll get to to what we're working on in, in a minute, but uh, yeah, he, he created this thing. We future-proofed the heck out of it. There was no way we were obviously ever going to hit the 5,000 people in the hall of fame. It was lightning fast. Um, all of a sudden you could, you could sort and you could filter and you could search your name. Um, the the manual gradient profile that i'd been having to put in he developed a way that he could uh, automate that process so from my side from the adjudication side of things and remember aside from a small handful that have been helped out within the past like it's literally all of those twenty one thousand have have been me manually approving those so that that helped out um, a huge amount being able to kind of do the heavy lifting and that way i could focus on the adjudication side of things um, but that, that, was, that was kind of really good. And so, yeah, so, so from the adjudication things, I could really just focus on, okay, well, is this segment, d- does that look legit? And is the elevation climb legit and the time that the people have spent and, and spend the time where it really needed to be spent rather than kind of creating all the, the graphics for it uh, and everything like that. But I guess, yeah, like as mentioned, the, the problem is like the, the Hall of Fame uh, has just been smashed by, by the popularity of Everesting and – so it was. It was last year we embarked on a project to kind of clean all of that up and uh, reach out to the community. We've had amazing support. Um, we're working with one of our Everesting crew, uh, which is always exciting. I, I love any project that involves our own community, and we try to do that wherever possible. For example, the title card of this uh, very podcast comes from within our community as well. But um, yeah. So it's uh, yeah. It, it, it tastes is uh, an amazing um. Uh, like a, um, a product product manager and he's helping out with this project it looks incredible i can't wait until we get to see it in the next few weeks but um yeah what we've designed is this this beautiful um hall of fame it looks visually amazing speed is probably the biggest thing for me so there's none none of this like having to wait a couple of seconds for everything to load it just looks um absolutely incredible and as I mentioned, like one of the things that was really important to me with the infographic that pops up is that it had to be really shareable. So, uh, the shareability is, is a lot easier now. It's easier to share it on Instagram or Facebook, um, and everything like that. Uh, importantly for our community, there's a lot more badges that you can collect as well. So, uh, it's, yeah, well, we've still got the 4s badges. Uh, there's, there's, for example, there's a stair running badge now, uh, which is something that's been requested multiple times from uh, from the stair running community. So you can you can do a stair running in a building and there's a special special badge for it. We've uh, created a second set of badges. so you've got all of your your uh, your your traditional badges like the the 10k badge and and uh, and all of those badges. but for each of those, there's also a virtual version of that as well. So we can see, you know, it, you, you can you can collect them virtually, or you can collect them online, uh, offline, or you can do both, of course, as well. Um, which is which is really quite cool. And the badges look amazing. Oh my goodness! There's uh, we're working with this Dutch designer, and she's done such an incredible job. I'm so I'm so proud of what she's created. They look beautiful. Air kiss. Okay. Um, you've got how many total badges? To how many? I think there's now like twenty three or twenty four. Or something like that. So there's quite a few, quite a few to collect. Of course, if you've uh, these will all automatically be attributed to you. So you know, we'll, we'll as part of this project when we send it live, we'll go through uh, your history, and we'll be able to kind of assign you all those badges that you've collected uh, along the way as well. Then the other thing is, there's this great little kind of every user has their own little user profile. So you'll be able to easily see all your previous sings or go into someone else's activity and see all of their previous uh, activities as well. So that's all in the Hall of Fame thing. And obviously the visuals look, look wonderful and everything like that. But probably the, uh, the cool thing is we're also building a leaderboard. So you, you can go through the Hall of Fame feed right now and you can sort and filter that. And that, that functionality will still be there in this new Hall of Fame. But then we've got set leaderboard. So it's a, a sec, separate area. Uh, of the site, and essentially you can come in here, and this is where you can really get quite granular about looking at okay, of all the uh, female athletes that are in the in the United States who have done a uh, run, Everesting, uh, but a base camp like who is who is the fastest that's over 45 years old for example you can get super granular and it will show you exactly where you are uh, in that in that particular search um, and All it's kind the of filters are going to be public like anybody can go in there and filter. yeah that's right yeah. Uh, you can filter by badge finally that was one thing that always annoyed the heck out of me that if you were to say how many people have done a short badge or a significant badge There's no easy way for us to kind of, to work that out. Um, So right now, if you wanted to see who's done the most elevation, you could easily sort and filter that with these new leaderboards. They're absolutely incredible. Um, So the guy that we've had help out on that from the team, um, this is part of the Everesting development team, is just a, um, he was an amazing gamer. Uh, so it's we've kind of taken this this idea of leaderboards from the gaming world and they're really good. Uh, I'm not in that space myself, so maybe I'm more dazzled by this than I need to be. But, um, yeah, it's it's really good. They're really intuitive and, like I said, fast as well. Now, this one is future-proof, so I think we break this uh, somewhere over a million people or something. So uh, we can have a laugh about this in five years' time when we have broken this one. But um, I, I think this one will last a, a little bit longer as well. I was going to ask you that. I was going to ask you what you believe to be future-proof. Now, you think a million is the number? There, actually, there's the way that this this new uh, system is built. It's infinitely scalable, uh, essentially. Just though, again, like it's kind of the unsexy thing that that goes into all dev work that uh, no one ever really cares about or or hears about. But it's it's a ground-up rebuild, basically, of of all of the infrastructure uh, around everything. So. Most of the project, to be honest, is in the the unsexy behind-the-scenes stuff, but that's the stuff that that makes things faster, that makes things more accurate. Um, you know, for example, right now, if you were to search by country, uh, there, are, there are little, you know, there might be like four versions of, of France, for example, which is, again, super annoying if you're trying to, to kind of figure out, um, you know, the fastest person in a country, for example. So all of that gets removed. It's, again, a complete rebuild of of the entire everything database from from ground up. Uh very, very exciting. Yeah, it should be quite cool. Oh man, I'm going to spend a lot of time on that. <laughs> it's it's a lot of fun. And the, the leaderboards are incredible. And again, being able to kind of slice and dice this to see not only where you fit or just if you're if you're curious to see, you know, what fastest times are for virtual base camps, you know, uh, you know, you can you can you can do with that. You can kind of slice and dice it how you like. Fascinating. Okay, that's interesting, and people are going to be really excited to hear about these badges. I think so. Yeah, like I, I I've been slowly collecting them as well. I know which ones I'll never be able to achieve myself. I'm looking <laughs> at you, double and triple um, the run badge. I don't know. I feel like I've, I, I, I used to be a trail runner. We spoke about this like back yeah. uh, in one of the other podcasts. I, I used to love running through the trail, uh, running trails, running through the hills. But I haven't run for so many years. And obviously, an Everesting is just, you want to be an accomplished runner to, to kind of even attempt that. So, uh, look, I, I don't want to close the door on that by any means. It's just, it's definitely like that's the one thing that's gnawing away at the back of my brain. Not a double or a triple. I'm never going to do those. It just doesn't interest me. But a running badge, I don't know. Like, it's, be I, nice I it's maybe a half. Like. Yeah. Maybe.
0: Yeah but a full i don't know like i've i've never run an ultra i was a marathoner well well i was cycling i did both for a long time um and and quite a bit of running but not like i've really let it go in favor of cycling in a lot of ways but i also think that the clock's kind of ticking cuz i don't think not that people have run successfully for a very long time but i'm not a gifted runner and i'm in my mid 40s almost here so like i don't feel like i have an infinite amount of time but when i start to think about that like maybe through the winter come spring i just want to ride my bike so i don't know if that's what's happening to you you sort of talk yourself in and out of it but a full one because you're
1: gonna have to run like 100k right aren't you yeah like well it's it's generally pretty efficient so and look the the thing with the run everstings as well or run base camps is that if you choose you can do it shuttled so it means that you just run up and get whatever a lift in a car or ride a bike or catch a chairlift or whatever it might be you know gondola or something like that in fact people have people have done run everestings where they've climbed up and then um what's it called like a parasail down um really like yeah a bike, you know, hey. yeah but, but like a parasail like under a parachute sort of thing so they'll just do that over and over again in, Incredible! Like I, I love, I love that creativity that comes. That's that's so cool. Yeah, I think um, on the on the running base camp thing. So a few years ago, there was a giant earthquake in Nepal. Um, obviously quite dev- devastating to to the Nepalese community, and obviously as everything, we we felt like we had um, an opportunity to, to kind of do some good and, and raise some money. So we reached out to our friends at strava spoke to them and together we did we pulled together in a week or something this this strava challenge and the challenge was to i think we gave people like two or three weeks or so and it was basically just to you know you, you, we wanted people to attempt to climb the height of everest over that that period of time if you're a runner i think we said let's do half that space so it wasn't in a single activity of course you could do it in one activity if you wanted to but it was just to kind of really it was about raising money we raised like 150 Thousand U.S. or something, which was which was wonderful, and I think from memory there was about it was a record at the time for Strava, it was about one hundred and twenty thousand athletes, both runners and cyclists, and so I, I went and did a a ride Everesting uh, as part of that. It was really it was probably the hardest one I did. It was freezing cold here in a, in Melbourne. Um, in fact, as it turns out, it was it ended up being the coldest day of the year. Um, I did this mountain bike Everesting, and it was just I, I had the wrong gears. It was super steep there was one bit that was like around 25 percent and uh you know it's difficult even just keeping traction um but anyway that aside like i I managed to kind of get through that but then i thought well i should do the run the run part of this as well obviously i'm not doing a full run everything but i had i think about a week to do yeah four and a half thousand meters so what's that in feet like fifteen thousand feet um and and so i did it and i did in the dandenongs where i used to do trail running and i just kind of you know, did repeats of various hills, and man, that hurt. As a non-runner at that stage, that destroyed me. <laughs> I, I was obviously just completed an Everesting as well, but oh, man, that one just broke me. <laughs> even, though, even though I had a week or something, or maybe it was even two weeks at that stage to complete the, the half Everesting, it just, oh, brutal. So I can't even imagine doing that in one, but it's in my mind, maybe one day. Well, that's how it starts, but I, I do think it's <laughs> the run everesters are a special breed
0: that's definitely yeah so okay so before i let you go what what else can we put you down for this year what other badges are you going to chase or what other everesting adventures? well
1: hang on Whoa, whoa whoa let's slow down i'm not committing to doing a <laughs> i just like to go on the record <laughs> to say that no it's it's just something that's it's one of those ones that's gnawing away in the back of my brain and i feel like it's an itch that i need to scratch at some point but it's going to take me forever to get there. I'm probably going to need to, like, I I'll, I'll need to seriously get back into running and um, yeah. I have a pretty full plate at the moment. But, uh, yeah, look, for this year, I mean, I, I definitely, like, I think I want to do another mountain bike every single I'm just loving riding trails at the moment. I get so much enjoyment out of that. Maybe it's the, the short format of mountain biking. Like, you spend less hours on the bike compared to a road bike. Don't get me wrong. I'll always be a roadie at heart. But, you know, there's... Um, so many great trails around here where I live. And I'm just, I'm really, really enjoying that. Uh, I've done three, yeah, three Everestings on mountain bike, including one on single trail and single track. And I, I think I'd like to do another single track one, but it's just the the trickiest part, honestly, is finding the most appropriate segment to do an Everesting on. Um, number one, I don't want people barreling back down that same oh. piece of single track that I'm on. That's probably the, the primary concern, but then just finding something, The problem with single track is usually it's designed to be as easy as the climb as possible, which means it's like the least efficient. Um, And just climbing a fire road, I mean, I've done that as well on a mountain bike, but it's obviously not quite as enjoyable. So there are some climbs, like I found one out in Forest, which is a couple of hours' drive from where I live, uh, and that's where I did my single track every a few years ago. But, um, yeah, they're, they're tricky to find. Who knows, one day. Okay. I
0: am going to throw out a challenge to you at somebody oh. that I know will be familiar to you. So, Jack Thompson, Jack ultra cyclist, is trying to climb a
1: million meters this year. So, yeah, that's a- doing amazing, by the way. He's keeping me very he, busy. <laughs> he's on track, too. Oh, yeah. You, you're getting, <laughs> you're getting a- like every way. I'm like, oh, geez, another one, Jack. <laughs> he's, he's an incredible, incredible athlete. Unbelievable. So, he,
0: he joined me both on the Everesting podcast and on the adventure audio podcast with Tyler and he challenged, so he's climbing, he's climbing 20,000 meters a week. So he challenged us to do a 20,000 meter week, uh, to do fundraising with him. He's doing it every week for 52 weeks. So I, I immediately, as he said it on the podcast said, yeah, I'll do that. And then like 30 minutes later I was in my truck and I was like, what did I agree to? That's terrible. So I'm going to try and do this pretty soon, but I'll throw it out okay. there because doing it all year. So if you can pick a week where you can try and do 20K. Um, and and so I'm going to put into the link so that people can go to his fundraising pages to support my effort to do something stupid, but I'm going to try and you'll appreciate this as a dad and as a busy person, I'm going to try and not alter my regular responsibilities. But wow.
1: Stupid. I love that. I love
0: so that. so yes. that's, challenge is that I'm going to I'm going to work that week I'm not going to take any time off I'm going to get to all my kids to all their stuff so up early out to Zwift probably a ride at lunch and then a ride at like 9 p.m probably some hill repeats
1: wow will you do an everything as part of that do you think because that like knocks off you, you you could you could push to 10k and that's half of it done <laughs> in, a, in just a simple in a simple 20 hours <laughs> I know I that'll look
0: harder though like doing five or six two thousand meter days and then an Everest thing.
1: okay so so here's here's the thing here's the mark of any good challenge that someone throws down you put it out there and immediately before you've even before the words are even out of your mouth uh, you're straight away thinking okay how would i do how would i break that down like you said you know do i go for a set amount every every day do I do it? Do some, you know, virtual everything in the morning and then after work go out for a real life ride? Do I just, you know, what are those numbers that I have to hit? Obviously, like on the weekend, I'm aiming to do one or two big days in there to kind of, you know, bulk it out a little bit. How do I get ahead of the curve? I love this. I, I love it. So I that's
0: think what I'm thinking is, okay, I'll, I'll pack. I know I'll be able to pack in a little more during the weekend, mm-hmm. but not too much because my weekends aren't like if I'm doing it on a moment's notice, yeah. I'm not rearranging my life. I've got commitments then too. So I've got to fit it into all the little spots. Unfortunately, Zwift is not my, no no disrespect, Zwift, but it's not my favorite, but I do a lot of it because it's very efficient, especially yeah. this when I'm trying to just get elevation because you can go just up out to Zwift and you've got 1,100 bagged, right? I could, you could do that
1: every morning. I don't know, but 20,000
0: okay. a lot. So
1: just for the benefit of those listening in, because this is a podcast, <laughs> Pete can see my reaction, I'm, I'm thinking about this. Yes. I'm thinking about it. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's cool. It's really cool. Like, oh, I'm, the year I'm, pros. I'm, fasc- I'm, I'm just fascinated by how to break that down. I, I love it. Exactly,
0: exactly. The most I've ever done was the week that I did the Everesting, which I did 10,000 meters that week. Like, it was basically all the Everesting. That was the most I've ever done in a week.
1: I, I remember, Um. so, obviously the rafa rising challenge that happened yeah. actually rafa rising still happening isn't it i don't know i know it's the festive 500 but festive i heard 500 it. okay so so just to quickly recap there was this there's this thing called rafa rising similar to festive 500 it was timed with the tour de france and you it's it's been lower amounts in more recent years but certainly at the start for the very first rafa rising um they challenged you to climb the amount of climbing that they were going to do in the Tour de France, and you had the entire time of the Tour de France to do it, um, the difference is you also get the rest days, which the actual riders don't. And I think from memory, it was like, it was high. It was twenty-four 000 or 25,000 metres over the space of three weeks. And I remember, and, and that one I fit in around work and other responsibilities, and that was hard. That was <laughs> That was a lot. I remember distinctly getting up, and on my way to work, I would leave an hour or two earlier and I'd just be doing hill repeats on the Arab Boulevard. Um, and the fun thing about that one was, again, Tour de France time in Australia is the middle of winter for us. So my, the final climb that I did was up Mount Donabuang, which, as it turns out, is the the birthplace of uh, Everesting, not that there was any tie-in back then. And I was climbing, like, literally in the snow, To uh, followed by my wife. I didn't have to descend that day, but she was following me in the car, Tam was there and picked me up at the top. And I just remember how freezing I was. And the thought as I was climbing through the snow was going through my head like, how crazy is this? Like no there's nothing, there's no benefit. <laughs> there's no reward. I mean, you got a little badge. But um It's just I loved the fact that here I was, like, devoting so much time and energy over the space of weeks and then literally climbing into the snow uh, on my weekend to complete a challenge, which no one else will care about. But that's that's the beauty of it. That's the beauty of it. it, Yeah. Wow. Okay, wow. I'm really – okay, Pete, you got me. Jack, no offense, you're a bastard. I'm thinking about this crazy he got me all excited and caught up in it and
0: tyler too and we're both like yeah sure and then we we're like oh shit <laughs> so there we go so when,
1: when are you thinking of doing yours pretty soon maybe next week yeah. or the week, yeah. yeah wow it might be but, it might be something i'll uh, i'll look into in spring and um you know when the weather's a bit better because I, I like the idea of being able to combine uh indoor and outdoor for sure wow that's a really that's cool i like that you, so the key. Let me just tell you. Let me give you some advice straight off the bat. Please. Um, work work out your plan. So you know you know how many meters you're going to be doing every day, and then just get a little bit ahead at the start, and just always be. If you can stay ahead, you'll be like, cool. I'm like two hundred meters ahead or five hundred meters ahead, and it doesn't sound like much, but that'll be this great psychological advantage. You just feel like you're you're ahead of schedule. That's a great call. Yeah. Yeah, that you're not giving up mentally on Tuesday. Yeah, you don't want to be in debt with this, that's for sure. So, definitely set set it. And I think you almost kind of want to set it. I think so. Like this, let's say you're finishing on the Sunday, so the Sunday is a big day, and you've got a little bit of run on, so that if if you uh, if you do need to score an extra thousand meters or something, you've got a bit more time in the day to to go and do that. Oh, this is cool. I like it.
0: Yeah, I hope I'm I hope I'm hope not on, on Zwift at 11 p.m. on the Sunday. But we'll <laughs> <laughs> Chances are,
1: though. <laughs> Chances are. Thanks for doing this, Andy. It's great to catch up with you. My absolute pleasure. Um, always happy to chat. And like I said, okay, Wayback Machine. I think that's what it's called. Go check it yeah. out. It's uh, it's Do it for any website. It's quite hilarious sometimes.
0: I will. Yeah, I'm going to go down the rabbit hole on that. Okay. And uh, new website. People can expect that in the next... Month or so, next couple
1: of weeks. Yeah, we're we're really close on it. Um, I mean, as these things go with Dev, it's the devil's always in the detail. Um, but yeah, we, we're working, working really hard on it. Um, for those of you that are on the um, on the Facebook discussion group, uh, keep an eye the Everesting official Facebook discussion group. Keep an eye out there. I'll post some updates over the next couple of weeks as we get closer. But um, again, huge thank you to the community. We couldn't do this without um, their amazing support, and it's looking really really cool. That's, That's awesome. awesome. Thanks, Andy. Appreciate it. Catch you soon. Talk to you soon, buddy.
0: That's a wrap for this week. We will be back next week with more inspiring stories about the most difficult climbing challenge in the world. Thank you, everybody, for joining us on the podcast. Really appreciate you carving out a little bit of your time to tune in. Uh, as always, if you're able to give us a positive rating or review on whatever podcast platform you're finding the show on or subscribing, that's the algorithms of how the podcast platforms work that helps us find new listeners. So we really appreciate if you're able to do that. As I said, at the top of the show, reach out to us with questions. You can hit us up on any of the Everesting social media accounts, or you can reach out to me directly on my Instagram account, which is Pete, P-E-T-E underscore Hawk and uh, hit me up with questions about Eversting and we can try and address those things on the podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. And one last thank you to Andy Van Bergen, founder of Eversting
1: for joining us today.